Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work of reconnecting the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my connectfulness counseling practice and online workshops at connectfulness.com. Welcome back, y'all. I'm here today with a friend and colleague, Mariah Seeger DeGear. Mariah is a licensed marriage and family therapist, consultant, writer, activist, and mom. She's the co owner of BFF Therapy and Beacon and has a monthly sex and relationship column, Can We Talk, with Refinery29. The connecting line through all of her passions, from research analyst to being active on a school board, is that she engages in life with an understanding that culture and connection need to be understood first. Mariah is certified in emotionally focused therapy and specializes in mixed race LGBTQIA couples and racial identity development. Her activism work encourages intergenerational conversations on systemic issues. Currently, in the summer of 2022, Mariah is in the middle of a letter-writing campaign by printing 50,000 free postcards in conjunction with her grandfather, Pete Seeker's United States Postal Service Forever Stamp. Join us for an intimate conversation. Hi. Hi there. I'm so glad to be here with you. And I think for our listeners, we should just make mention that we are actually in the room here together. Yeah. Real life. And I have not seen you in real life since before. Before times. Yeah. Before times. Yeah. Here in your office. Oh my gosh. Like right before times. Yeah. So it's exciting. (laughs) It's so cool to see you in person, to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to just chat today. Yeah. I, well, I can introduce myself Yeah. for people. Um, I'm Mariah Seeker DeGear. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I spend my time in private practice here in New York and in Minnesota online. All of it's online. (laughs) It's 2022. Um, And I'm a mom to two kids, a one-year-old, almost two-year-old, and a six-year-old. And then- That sounded like three. Yeah. One-year-old. A a one-year-old who is almost two. Almost two. Two in June. A full, I have a pandemic baby, a full pandemic baby. And then I have a six-year-old who did full remote school. That's what we should talk about for a whole podcast of remote school and how terrible that was, remote kindergarten. And But he's back now. Oh my gosh. And thriving. Yeah. And living a good life. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, today talking about... You sent me a text last summer. Yeah, I did. Saying, what are you an expert in? (laughs) What do you want to come talk about? And I said, knowing that we needed to have a conversation here. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I said nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And it brought up all the thoughts for the last nine months or so. Mm-hmm. Like, it, in, like, such a good way. Um, but And I'm still sitting with the impact that those words had on you. Yeah. Well, and you're some, you know, it's not like a random person. So you're someone I care about and respect and, you know, and we share clinical space together and consulting. Um, we share lots of clinical space together. Yes. We share clients. Yes, we share clients. So we like really have <laughs> held a lot of work yeah. together, which is really unique and lovely. Um, I was talking to a therapist the other day who I share a client, who I just referred a client to. And they're like, oh, we've never done this conversation between the couples therapist and the individual therapist. And I'm like, oh, this is the best part of the work. This is the best part of the work. Just being able to like, yeah. Therapy is so intimate and you hold people sort of by yourself, even though you consult and things like that. But when you have someone else to hold people you care yeah. about with, it's really It's magical. so magical. And we have done that for many groupings, many groupings yeah. of clients. Yeah. Yeah. Over a couple of years. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. I can't even count back how far it's been. It's been at least four or five, five years. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a really special part of our relationship. Yeah, it is. Um, and then we're both raising mixed race kids, which we is are. another really important overlap in yeah. our parenting world, different yeah. age groups. But, um, but yeah, and then because people aren't visually seeing us, like I'm mixed race, which I think is really important. And yeah. when I listen to podcasts and people are talking about race and different things like that, and I'm sort of like, what is this person? That That's question, right. that is also a terrible question to ask all in the same but it's I, a real question. It's a real question. And I like to be able to visualize who I'm talking to and understand without knowing them who they are in the world and how they move about the world. And so I have a black father who is very who you may maybe not haven't met my dad actually. I haven't met your dad. Met my stepmom. Though. I met your stepmom. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, getting topsoil. Yes. <laughs> I have a very crunchy granola black father. I come from separated parents, divorced parents. And I have a wonderful bonus mother who you've gotten to meet. And then um, my mom is white and Japanese, but white passing and culturally very Japanese. And so Mm -hmm. I was raised with a lot of Japanese culture, but she's very much moved in the world as a pretty privileged white woman. Um, And being, because she's a daughter of a famous person and she (laughs) moves in the world in that way of not really the fame part of it, but in having access access and privilege and like a cocoon around her. And so I think that's a really part, important part of what I bring to my therapeutic work Mm -hmm. of being sort of like a daughter of fill in the blank type of parent, (laughs) but also sort of like, that's what I've done my own work around. And then also being mixed race and have parents that really talked about race and were very open to do that, but also like a white mother who didn't know how to do that. So that combination of like, we can really talk about this. And I grew up, she didn't see her kids as black. Mm -hmm. So it impacted me and my brother very differently. That's right. Yeah. So, and then I have a, I, my sister passed Mm -hmm. (laughs) going into all the therapy, right? So I have a um, black sister who passed in January from COVID and things. And then a, a brother who's now a social worker. DBT, like specialist, teaches at Columbia, wow. wonderful human. Um, and, but yeah, it's so interesting. Him and I are both mixed race and we identify very differently, yeah. which I think is an important, like coming that's back to our question. That's an important piece just yeah. to, to realize. Yeah. So yeah. that's a really important piece. And so like talking about our conversation today as we'll mix into things Yeah. of these complexities of how we identify and- that's right who we are and sort of like even two kids that grew up in a very, like the same environment can identify so differently. I think it's important. Yeah. And just for our listeners, I'll orient myself also. I'm a white woman with a Jewish cultural background, um, which I think is somewhat important just because I have a direct lineage to the Holocaust. And so that Mm -hmm. feels like it's a cultural piece I need to bring in. Um, And I'm raising two mixed race kids. My partner is Filipino and Chinese. And so our kiddos are a mix of all of that. And I grew up in a home that talked about Jewish culture a lot, but didn't really acknowledge much of other races. And so I've been doing a lot of learning as I raise my kiddos to learn about how to be anti-racist, how to practice anti-racism. Yeah. 
Yeah. And making missteps on, along the way. Like I am a totally imperfect human. And I have some beautiful friends who have called me in mm. when I have caused harm. And I really appreciate learning when I have done that. Because I, as a person who walks around the world white, will do that. Not by intention, but by impact. Yeah. And in this conversation, I'm just sort of trusting what my brain offers up. Please so I'm do. just going to like, yeah. I'm so curious as you say that, mm-hmm. have friends had friends called you in before 2020, before George Floyd? I don't know. I'm thinking back. I don't think so. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I didn't cause harm. Yeah. So I think like that's a really yeah. important thing to sit with because there's so much, you know, and I specialize in it. You also see mixed couples, right? There's mm-hmm. so much of these conversations that are happening. Yeah. Sadly, not really right now anymore, but last year <laughs> they were happening in a big way. Um, and all these like calling in conversations and all this experience. And yeah. then to remind people of like, yeah, like of your X amount of years, you know, four decades of life. That's right. So uh, two years of that, right? And it's like, and we're talking about like maybe a handful of conversations for people, hard conversations that really are impactful. And I think that's something that's really, that's like coming up a lot in therapy sessions for my black and brown clients yeah. is just like how much of like, for some the shift has happened, right? And you're continuing to do all the work and you're immersing yourself in this work and you're open to it. And like, you know, like Rebecca, I could text you about any of, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're right there, right? And then for a lot of people, it's like the, you know, the trainings happened <laughs> last year. Okay, good. And we're moving on. Right. And like, that has been an incredible painful thing of like, how do we keep talking about race when people are over it? Right. My a colleague of mine, who's been a guest on this podcast before, Terry Delaney, um, she teaches people how, as a white woman, she teaches people how to run uh, somatic abolitionist groups. She like gives them a framework for free, mm-hmm. just teaches people how to do that. And after George Floyd, there was a huge influx of people who wanted to learn that and it has severely dropped off. Yeah. Um, so just acknowledging that, like, we really need to stay engaged in this work. Yeah. Yeah. And like the sad part of like, you can't even be like, oh, there'll be like another big killing whatever, they're continuing to happen constantly. Yes. But the shock of George Floyd, the shock of like the combination with social media and like everyone really Mm -hmm. seeing, seeing things, right? Like we're now just like numb. Well, I think in the pandemic, we were, we were, everyone was home. Yeah. You know, people weren't working. Like it was, it was a time where what else was there to do other than notice? Yeah. And, and the numbness has now set in, in a big way. Yeah. Well, and the internet, like in sort of like the search for all the Karens, right? And the internet was like, people were so bored. They can go do the work and find someone, go find this person. Someone go find, you know what I mean? And it's like all of that of just like, it gave people a lot of jobs that was like helping society. But yeah, the numbness. And so it's like, even like conversations today, wherever we end up, it's like, yeah, like this conversation in June of 2020, feels so obvious and it's even more needed now because the market is no longer saturated with these That's conversations. Right. But it's it's weird. It's like, yeah. And most of all of my clinical work and then all of the other things I do outside of it, like are all very race related, mm-hmm. culture related. Um, I came up with a mission statement for my life a Ooh. year or so ago. And it's about creating more spaces where people can show up in their complete identities and they don't have to tuck themselves away. Oh, can we yeah. pause with that and just like sit? In oh, there. to show up in your complete identity. Yes, and not tuck yourself away. Yeah, because that's—I mean, if you are not part of dominant culture, wherever you may be in the world, mm-hmm. you're always tucking parts of yourself away. That's right. And so, one of the big pieces of my work that I do with like mixed couples is to be like. The whole goal when you're home, right, is to be able to take off whatever armor, shells, versions, and to be vulnerable, to be present, to be right here. But, like, we do that in relationship work. Yeah. And, like, what about all the people who don't have access to therapy? What about all the people who don't get this, like, really delicious, scary, vulnerable space of, like, actually learning how to do this? Right, like where are they getting these places to like show up completely and not hide parts of themselves, you know, to be safe, to, you know, to get ahead in your career, to parent, to 
you know, sit at a PTA meeting, <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah. And there's not enough of those spaces, and especially in the wellness world, right? The wellness world causes, and not just therapy, but like wellness. Wellness in general. Causes an outrageous amount of harm. Yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. is, and that has helped me with boundaries. It's helped me to know what projects, because I get a weird amount of offerings of projects. It's helped me to say yes or no to things. It'd be like, does it fit with that value? And that's helped me with my work with like helping people find identity of like, what is your mission statement? And it feels a very sort of like coaching world, right? Mm -hmm. Of like that. But it's like, how do we honor the fact that our mission statements don't align with the mission statements our parents gave us? You know, I I just recently interviewed a a colleague, um, Cindy Darnell. She's a a somatic sexologist. Yes. Right? I've met her. You've met her, yeah. So um, she's a wonderful new book coming out. Mm. And uh, it's this whole journey around kind of getting to know your own erotic template. And I bring Mm. it in to this conversation only because one of the biggest things that Cindy teaches in that book is about knowing what your values are because they guide so much yes. of your own discovery process of learning who you are and what you like. And that to me sounds like what you're talking about. Although the the, the subject matter is different, yeah. right? We're not talking about erotic, but erotic maybe meaning life. Maybe we are. Maybe right? we are. Like maybe, Why not? Maybe we're talking about vitality, right? Yeah. So what brings you vitality? Yeah. It's it, it, it boils down to what's inside of this value. Yes. What is it that you value? And how do you align your life to live in that integrity? Which, by the way, integrity I'm learning. The more and more work I do in my own healing process, the more I realize how freaking hard integrity can be. Really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in all the ways that right? Like whether it's trauma, whether it's mm-hmm. just, you know, stories and systems that we learned from childhood. That's right. Of like n- moments when we don't even know we're, we're not sort of acting from a place of integrity. Right. Of just sort of like, no, this is what you do in this moment. Right. Like the autopilot responses that come up inside of us, yeah. right? That in many cases have been intergenerational. They're probably stuff that, you know, relationally you observed or took in mm-hmm. from the family that you were raised in. Yeah. Right. And there are many things that come through me that I'm witness to because now I'm observing more and more of that, right? So now right. I'm witnessing that, but I'm noticing these impulses that come through me to respond to things in a certain way. And it's out of alignment with who I want to be. Yeah. And I need to like reckon with that before I actually respond. Mm-hmm. But to notice those pieces inside that, whew, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's so my son's six, mm-hmm. and the other night it fits with this. Like the other night, we're laying in bed after a reading, and he was talking about like a thing that happened in school with a friend who he's a lot of stuff around and sort of riles him up. And he described his anger sits in a box inside of him, Aww. and he's like, "I have a box," and all the other emotions are in there too, but anger, right? And when my anger gets bigger, the box gets bigger. And the, the lid flew off the box, right? Aww. And I had to tell my friend, I'm really sorry. The lid flew off my box and I'm really sorry. Right? His friend said something like rather threatening to him. And my son didn't do anything. He was just, just like, don't do that. And like walked away. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, here is this brown kid. He's so six my, years old. Six years old. First grade. Right. Very much, very tall. He looks about eight. He's the tallest kid in his class. He's probably the youngest in his class. Very, could be some highly sensitive stuff. Uh Right. Very just like big feeler, good memory. Really attuned to the world. Really attuned. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I, and I just sit there. I'm like, what was the, oh my goodness that resonated for you? Just, I'm like, like the fact that this Brown, black, I mean, black, he calls himself black, right? But he's mixed race, right? But like black, like body can sit here and be like, I can take up five minutes, 10 minutes of, and I have full language to describe to someone outside my body what this emotion happened in school. Not just like someone took my pencil, right? Like, and I was like, what? I'm noticing in my chest, (sighs) it feels like there's fireworks going off in celebration of his spirit. It was, yeah, and he has a lot of, also a Leo, so like a lot of spirit, (laughs) strong spirit. Yeah. But I was just like sitting there because it's like, I mean, as parents, like we mostly, I don't know, I mostly run with like, I'm doing everything wrong, right? And like assuming. it's easy to run with that. 
right? I'm yeah. like, oh, I should be doing so much more, providing more, all of these things. And sitting there at the moment, I'm like, that was like the, such a radical thing. And I often say, I'm like, we're disruptors, right? Like we're disruptors of this generational shit that we get past. That's down. right. And I'm like, we did it. Like in that moment, I was like, here's one single moment That's right. that I can confirm that something disruption happened. Yeah. Like, to like an old pattern. Yes. Because here he is exemplifying, I got this. Like I understand yeah. myself. I can witness myself. I see what's happening inside of me. Yeah. And I can communicate that. And someone can understand me. Oh. Right? Like what? Well, And then to sit with the space of like, let me not be like, oh, you shouldn't be so angry at school. Let's not do that. Right? But for him to just be like, and he knew, and I apologized, and I explained it to my friend, and my friend understood, and like went on with his day. And it was like, just like that is like the evening, like nightcap, right? After reading, you know, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah. It's like the, I'm unwinding at the end of the, like, you think I'm supposed to be going Mm -hmm. to sleep now. And here's all the stuff spilling out. Which is like the best time. Oh God, it's my favorite time of the best day. Best time. Yeah. But, and also just having, so going back to our conversation of really like finding, for me, it's sort of like figuring out this identity, this parenting identity, yeah. who are we and all the different places. And then you asking me if like, what am I an expert in? And I'm like, are, is anyone an expert in anything? Like do people, do some people have answers to that? So, you know what? <laughs> I asked you this question a while back. I yeah. don't remember how long ago exactly, but it was it was pandemic time, but... Could have been a year ago. Yeah. Like significant. Could have been a year and a half ago, like significant time. Today, myself is going back to that old self. Like, what were you thinking asking that question? To me, mm-hmm. towards me. Um, I and, and then I'm like holding that part of myself warmly, right? Yeah. And I kind of am hearing a reply. And that reply is like, you know, it's not that you're the expert. It's not that any of us are an expert, but we all have expertise. We all have like knowledge that we feel comfortable in, Mm -hmm. right? So whenever I invite folks on the show, I want to like, I want to celebrate you. I want you to be like, this is my zone of comfort, comfort, genius, excelling. I don't know. Delight. Delight. Excitement, yeah, right. And so I hear how that I hear the impact of that question, and it's such good information for me to ask it differently in the future. Yeah. Also, the impact. So when I keep thinking about things, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean the impact's bad, though. I hear that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not because just like, like I, I was I hear, offended. I hear the unraveling yeah. inside of this. Yeah. Which you know, like I'm delighted that you're here with me right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm so <laughs> delighted we're sitting in the same room. Oh my gosh. And yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I think the big part, you know, I, if the first time you asked me was last week, the answer might be very different than whenever it was sort Mm -hmm. of like having a young kid That's right. in and out of like, yeah, I'm back to working, but I also know I need to do a bunch of other things. Oh, I'm actually doing a bunch of other things compared to like today, right? A lot of the other things that I'm doing are much more like concrete and solidified. And then- as I've shared with you before this of like, and that's something that I'm working on even in my own therapeutic work of like figuring out like, what is this right need for not so much more. I had a mom ask me that at the park the other day, actually, but (laughs) more, she's like, do you just want more? Is that what it is? And I was like, no, it's not more. It's honoring that my brain likes to do a lot of things. There's a lot of capacity. Yeah. Like there's, this is my impression. And it's probably more about me than it is about you. Great. <laughs> right? Um, so I want to acknowledge that. But I'm guessing that something about like, well, we were talking about this before too. There's something about the ways in which we grew up, mm-hmm. right? And the capacity to hold a lot and to be stirred by a lot. Like to, yeah. you know, to... Um, Whenever I see you, I, I hear so many different things that you're excited by. Mm-hmm. And not having to like quiet that excitement. Yeah. To, yeah. to really be in it. Well, I think people get this messaging of pick one, right? Like, who are you? And that's <laughs> often like, pick the one thing you are. And that should probably be career and like what's making you money, right? And like, tell me about that one thing. Yeah, but what would you be without that one thing? Like a lot of other things. Right. Right. 
And I think I'm what I'm leaning into, and I do this with clients, especially like with couples, when like one person in the couple wants to sort of lean into all these different things and the other one's like, stay safe, get your mm-hmm. pension. Like my part, I'm married for almost 10 years in a week or two. And right, like I think my partner's two pensions that we'll end up tapping into, right? Like very much of like, here's something very structured. Right. And I'm over here being like, I said yes to like these three very different things in my week. And I'm like, yep, that's going to make it. So like, this feels like a really good week. Uh-huh. But like, yeah. And so I like, I challenge, like I mess people's stuff up a lot around this of like, we, right, there's a lot of white supremacy within like this idea of like, what's your buttoned up answer to that? And then also just like being okay with like, that's the usefulness of the brain of like being able to like open up all these other parts of our brain that like want to do stuff. That's right. Yeah. And enjoy the stuff that we're doing. Yeah. And, and see kind of like, where does that, I think of it like a fire inside of us, right? Like we all have these like little lights, these glimmers, these fires that are lit inside of us and our work, our our work as parents is to find that in our kiddos and help light it up and help help them find that light for themselves. Mm-hmm. And our work as adults is to do that for ourselves. Yeah. And so all of these different interest points are ways of tending to that fire. Do you feel like you had that as, like, I think that's a language. Do you I have. feel that anyone reached into me? Yeah. Oh, not so much. Yeah. It's something I'm learning to do for myself okay. and <laughs> trying to do for my kiddos in an ideal world. Yeah. Right. Under, under, like in a securely attached home. Yeah. Right, we're we're, uh, under the best of circumstances when there's enough attunement from the caregiver towards the kiddo. Yeah, I think that's what happens. But when there's not enough attunement from the caregiver to the kiddo, when that kiddo grows up, they have to learn how to attune to themselves. Right, which there isn't enough of like a guide in the world for that. I feel like, and I think there's a lot of spaces you know, and both of us study mm-hmm. all these different ways right. of like healing. Right. And then there's, and there's no of, one way. There's lots there's of not, ways. There's so many ways to healing. Yeah. Right. But there's also sort of like, you know, when I sort of visualize like, who do I want to support is sort of, even though I work very minimally with teenagers, but to sort of think of like all of us at like 17. Yeah. It being like, you know, not necessarily feeling broken, but also like, where, like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Oh, someone said I should do this. Let me go do that thing. I think we're all 17 year olds, yeah. like as adults. I think, yeah. I think that 17 year old is still in all of us, mm-hmm. still craving that conversation. Only yeah. now as adults, we get to turn to that one. Yeah. And be that one for ourselves. And then actually go do some of it. Which is like right. radical. Like some of the times when I'm sitting in these spaces and consulting, I'm just like, I'm actually doing this and people are listening to me. <laughs> that's fascinating. Like that's a whole thing. Yeah, that is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that yet. That you're doing it and that people are listening? That you yeah. you have value? Sure. I'm you sure. have lots of value. I'm sure it's that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and then it's like... It's interesting, though, because for me, from the outside, seeing it, mm-hmm. like, there's no question. It just makes sense. It's coherent. Yeah. Do you think for some people it's coherent inside, too? Like, we're in people's brains all the time. I know, but we're inside of people's brains who don't really have that secure attachment. That's why they come to us. Very true. So I feel like the the brains that you and I get to kind of sit with yeah. And resonate with all day are probably more like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if they're listening, they're yeah. like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but the point yeah. is that like, you know, it's, it's a work. It's, yeah. you know, and um, I always say that therapists are kind of wounded healers and that we, we, you know, the best teachers are the ones who are kind of learning everything along with student, like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you teach what you need to learn. Yes. Uh, and that doesn't mean that there are people out there who didn't have more secure upbringings and haven't had more of this cohesion, cohesiveness from right. the get-go. I just don't know many of them. Yeah, because they're not necessarily coming into therapy. They're not self-selecting yeah. to come in. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That is interesting to think about. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's that thing, like, have you heard the term earned security? 
Not really. So mm-hmm. it, it's like you do the healing work mm-hmm. and you can earn like- Oh, you, earn secure attachment. Er, er, yeah, like earn mm-hmm. secure attachment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you get to the place where you have earned that that secureness of attachment, yeah. but it's work. It's, you know, like, cause you're interrupting right. the circuit of the original message. Yeah. The implicit knowings are, you're catching them and interrupting them. Right. And it's yeah. like, and you really earned it and you now did. you can feel it. I mean, I say that all the time. It's like your attachment can be healed, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And like understanding these wounds within this work. Oh, but you know what I'm thinking of? What? I'm thinking, can I use something that you've already brought up as an example? Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking of like the work you have done in your life mm-hmm. and then the way you have parented your kiddo. And the fact that he now has this ability to be, I have this box Mm -hmm. and the lid came off of it. Yeah. Like to me, it sounds like he's developing what you and I are working on learning. But for him, it's like from such a, like, that's the disruption. Right. Is that we break the cycle, the old cycle, and we help to reestablish a new cycle. Yes. Right. And it's like, and we're still learning it, but he just always has this language. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be his foundation. Yeah. And we hope that that box is like, you know, a black kid being raised in America isn't, doesn't turn into just compartmentalizing everything that it's actually, he's fine with the lid blowing off every now and then. Right. Appropriately. Like noticing like, where Mm -hmm. does the lid need to blow off and how can I explain what happened to, you know, the people who deserve to know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for a six-year-old black kid to be like, someone treated me poorly and I had an emotion and I responded, no one was hurt, right? You know what I mean? To be like, that's a big deal. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is like, that is the disruption and like very proud of that. Yeah. Right. So like that feels very secure, which is lovely. Yeah. And I feel like we need to give, give voice then also to kind of like the, the cultural pieces that are always happening in the background. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, Help me out here if I missed up because I'm human and I may. But what I'm thinking of is like racism is is a constant murmur. Yeah. Right? There's no degree of secure attachment that you could raise your kiddo with that is going to escape him from that murmur. Yeah. It's, no, he came home from a daycare place not far from here, a really lovely one. Right. And he was what three and was just like, Yeah, they wouldn't play with me. I was too dark. Oh. Right. And it's just and, and you're like, Yep, here we are. Right. And so That's like right. when I, you know, within my activism work, when I like talk to parents about like how do we talk to our kids about race and the pushback is like, Well, when are they old enough? And what no one's old enough. <laughs> There's just no options, right? Like three isn't the he was ready for that mentally. Like not at but all. But he was already experiencing it. Yeah, he was already experiencing and in many ways that he didn't have language for, but that one he had enough language for, like knowing what was going on. Right. But even now, like he, the other week was just talking about like, well, there's this many black kids in my class. And I just said, well, what do you think about that? I really like if there's more black kids in my class, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or just sort of like, uh-huh, like it's, and he just goes about his day. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's constant. Yeah, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And I, in my own learning, which is still very, like, I think I'll always feel like my learning is new, even though I've been working at a lot of this work for a while, personally, um, living in a white body, it is just as present. We're just, it's like, you know, fish don't notice the water they're swimming in. We just aren't aware of it. It's, um, and so we're also not aware of the harm we cause. Yeah. Well, and I think also what's an added layer of exhaustion is like, because then people of color, if you're the only, so I was very much socialized in a lot of white spaces. So then if you're the only person, right, in this white space, that also means you're taking the energy to be the only one that's going to call in, Hmm. not necessarily like a super racist thing that's happening, but just how, like the lens in which I'm viewing the same thing. And like, that's really exhausting. Yeah, it is. Right. And this like comes up a lot in therapy, but it's like also sort of like why you're like, I'm going to bring someone who's not white to come to me to this thing. Not that like, I'm going to be that much safer with you there, 
But like when some when this happens or someone tries to pick you up or so, you know what I mean? Like that person can just like, I don't have to say whatever it is. Right. And like, even if, you know, the white friend or whatever understands what you're saying, you're still the one initiating that conversation. And Your like bringing, energy is going towards it. Yeah. And bringing race into the room all the time. I mean, if this is the piece of like being, uh, right, like a non-white therapist. Right. And like, so I was. I went to grad school in Minnesota and then lived in Minnesota for eight years, I believe, (laughs) something like that, right? And trained in emotionally focused therapy there. And it's all white spaces. And it's like, and this is pre, you know, Minnesota, George Floyd, social unrest, 2020. And so it's like bringing up race then was very... It wasn't so much that like anything I would say would be shut down. It was just like any, it was like convincing someone that the diversity was important. Right. Right. Like I did a live therapy session at an externship and I was like, I want to bring in, and most of my couples are non-white, right? Like, but I want to bring in like a mixed couple things like that to like talk about these things. And then like, and instead of someone being like, oh, we should do that. Like, I have to be the one to say it. (laughs) Like I like, and like the level of going through like, higher education, which is mostly white, most big places you're in. Yeah. But like all of the other wellness trainings, like it, and just always having to be the one that no one else brings that in. And now it's a little bit different, but it's more, I think the piece around like understanding the intersectionality is that it will be like, you're in a training for something race related, right? Or you're in a training for, you know, for gender, for the, like, Whereas, like, I would love to get to a place where, like, understanding that, like, all of those layers that's right need to be front and center in every, yeah, like in every aspect of it, yeah. And it's so we're so far from that. We are so, and it's so exhausting. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in some professional spaces where we're talking a lot more about it. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that. But also, I'm noticing who's bringing up those conversations. Yeah. I send the email back. I just sent an email like two weeks ago. I was like, hey, have you thought it? Like, are you going to do an equity rate for this training? And then I get the email back being like, oh yeah, we did talk about that forever ago and nothing happened. And like, it's that over and over mm-hmm. again to the point of like, you know, I'm not like angry about it, whatever it is, but like, no. And like, then me explaining again, like when I see an equity rate, I know people are bothering to have a behind the scenes conversation and that's why it's important. So so here's something that I that's niggling at me that I that I've heard I don't remember where I've heard this so I can't give credit. Yeah. I wish I could. <laughs> um but it's that like whenever we have to talk about having an equity conversation mm-hmm. or an inclusion conversation we're already admitting that there is an equity and inclusion in the room. Right. And that everyone at the table is probably white. Yeah. Yes. Or or at least the institution itself is dominated by a culture that values uh, the white body. Yeah. And so then we take that and we pair that with, like, within healing, mm-hmm. right? Within all of us are doing this continual work. And then some of us, though, are doing this, like, so I'm taking, like, what you're saying to yep. me or any of the podcasts you're listening to that aren't on a topic of race, right? That's like, right. I wouldn't even say today isn't really on a topic of race. This is just, like, moving in the world. This is moving in the world. Right. This is yeah. how I move in the world based on, like, this text that you've sent me That's of just right. sort of, like, how, like, what is being an expert? What is sort of knowing what, like, how you move and all the things you want to do and what's important and, right, what fires you up? That's right. But, like... I listen to any of these podcasts that are on topics that are super interesting. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind is always like, so like, what is, if I, if I haven't like looked mm-hmm. up who, who the guest is, right. What do they look like? They probably haven't oriented themselves. They probably haven't really identified themselves. Like, where are they in the world? Right. You know, how much do I have to take what you're saying is a grain of salt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And like how just sort of like dominant culture healing, are you trying to like right. sort of lay on me? That's right. Right? Like, if you know, if thinking about sort of like, what is, like, this is the right thing, because it's healing, right? Of just like, you're supposed to do this. Well, I'm, I'm even, I'm, I'm struck as you're talking right now, one of the things that just kind of ran through me is even when in our field, in, mm-hmm. in mental health, we talk about things like um, when things are evidence-based, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Who's been funding it? Who mm-hmm. are the people that are actually being studied? Like, I'm thinking of, yeah. One big example, right, which is this like longitudinal 
study out of Harvard of like the, like their Harvard's long-term study mm-hmm. of pretty much white men who came in at the age of like 20 something and they studied them throughout the rest of their life. Right. Right. So what are we studying? We're studying right. like the quality of life, but also we're only studying that in one kind of population. We're not studying women. We're not studying people of cult- of culture. We're not studying, mm-hmm. um, you know, like are we studying heteronormative people? Like what are we studying? Right. Right. Um, that is such an important piece is like when we're talking evidence-based, like what is underneath that evidence? Yeah. Who's funding it? Who's being studied? Well, who gave it the validation stamp, right? That's right. Like to even get some sort of validation, right? In the funding, right? You follow the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always follow Always the money. Always follow the money. But any of these books that are even like, okay, this book did a really good job of not being overly heteronormative, not being all white, not da 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 da, but you're still quoting the right. experts within that book that you're coming from are all dead white men. Like they right. are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We can't like ignore that. And the studies are even for couples work, mostly on white couples. That's right. Like, yeah. And and heterosexual couples. Big time. I mean, yeah. Big time. Yeah. There's yeah. it's so much harder to find adequate resources for queer, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans couples. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so there's always right, like, so that level of exhaustion of like, I'm here to heal or even just get to know myself and I can take 20% of this. I can't really trust all of That's it, right. but like, also this is really useful. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. this book, you know, is helping me understand boundaries is, you know, like, because I'm moving within a world that is trying to adhere to dominant culture all the time. So like, actually it's great. That's right. Mm. And there's that, that thing in there, that niggling, like, and yeah. it's not so intersectional. It's not. Well, I think even this conversation of like, what, what's the importance of this? Like for people to get out of this conversation. And I would just think like, if I was listening to this and, you know, if I was someone who is not walking around in a dominant culture body to just be like, oh, I don't have to like do that extra work. I could Mm -hmm. just listen to this. Like, have I gotten anything out of it? I don't know yet, but (laughs) Right, but but there's right. some resonance there. Yeah. And if you are someone that's walking around in a dominant culture body. Yeah. There's maybe some openings for awareness that like not everyone in the world experiences the world the way that you do. Yeah. Well, and your friends or colleagues or, you know, people you're interacting with wherever you are in the world, right? Like even on social media, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the boldness of it, right? Yeah. Like to honor like, the more you can empathize like with your own complex identities, because there's a lot of identities that we don't see, right. That aren't just these outward visual ones, you know, chronic pain, right. Trauma, all these other identities. Like, I think that really helps people understand other humans Mm -hmm. complexities and like have better empathy. Um, But yeah, like, no, like you could be in the same meeting in the same space. And this person is holding you don't want to say so much more, but kind of, right? Like they are code switching a bunch. They are holding all these other sort of lids down on things so they don't explode. Because if you can explode in that meeting and say something out of pocket that isn't sort of like vetted 12 times, but like that person, right? Like that black guy in them cannot say that. No. Right? They will get written up by HR. (laughs) They cannot say that. Um, And I think like for, you know, therapists listening, I think this is really important because most, what, it's like under 10% of therapists are Mm -hmm. not white. That's right. So like you're probably in trainings that are mostly white, you know, unless it's like a very select, select group. Right. And like how often, I've never been in a training that's mostly white where someone sort of like really checked in on like how exhausted people are that are not white in that training, unless it's about race. Right, right. Like that's different. I'm I'm kind of going through the catalog in my head of similar experiences, and you're right. Unless it's about race, right? Because then they do a really good job sometimes, right? Of like or try to like the attempt to do a really good job and like holding yeah. and all these things. But like unless it's about race, it's more just sort of like we're gonna go up and like sometimes I've been trained where they do a cabinet of like oh actually we're not gonna talk about da 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 today. That's a different training. But today we're going to talk about this. But like, so they think they're going to, doing a good job, acknowledge it. And I've like submitted it in my feedback in the end. Yeah. Like that's not doing a good job. Yeah. That's not really right. holding space for this. 
Well, it's kind of like how families, you know, mixed families, uh-huh. like someone will be like, I love you so much. Let's not let that thing stand between us. Right. That thing is, is how us. I move in the world. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Like you would never say to someone like, let's not let the fact that you're a woman stand between this conversation and why we're going into like a nude spa. Right. Like actually we would probably notice the fact like my womanness is probably like a part of like us sitting nude talking to each other. Right. Like that's what it feels like when people are just like, let's not talk about race unless like we can really share, you know, bread together. Right. So when we go back to that value system that you're talking about earlier in our conversation, right. And like allowing people to bring all of themselves without having to dampen any part tuck it away to tuck it away mm-hmm. right i'm i'm going right there as you say that because i'm like to really show up fully yeah in all these different ways like who you are how you walk in the world how people see you how you experience the world all of it needs to be brought into the room mm-hmm. all the time yeah not some of the time well, in honoring, there's going to be many, many places. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, over-idealistic, right? There's going to be many places that is never going to be possible. That's right. But if we have this conversation more, there'll be more places where it's completely doable. It's just not happening right now. It's not going to be possible in the larger experience, like, with getting an institution or training to notice it. Yeah. But internally for each individual, yeah, there's there's a capacity that can be honed that can be played with of mm-hmm. just like not dismissing yourself right noticing what those part those those uncomfortable parts um i was mentioning this to you earlier but from a training i had with resume like all of those uncomfortable moments become moments to build capacity for discernment mm-hmm. right like what does it feel like to be in this space yeah. when it's not being acknowledged yeah right yeah. and like that simpleness like of that yeah of like what would that you know, just, I mean, it's easy to speak to therapists, but like, what would that be like for a therapist to be, for someone, you know, white therapist to bring up, like, we have not acknowledged race. I want to talk about my discomfort in every training. Like how much more capable would they be to go and work with like actual humans in the world? And that's where I was going to take you next, right? Like, and as we start doing that more and more, as white therapists get more proficient in that language. Yeah. What does it then translate to in our work with our people. What then do our people experience in the room when they're sitting with us in therapy? Well, I mean, fundamentally, it's clients don't have to be the one- To bring it up. Yeah, because there's not many clients who are people of color, right, culture, like will be working with a white therapist at some point, right? Or educators or, you know what I mean? I think this is really important work for Mm -hmm. teachers and principals, like people in leadership. People, yeah, in any kind of leadership. We're like, you're- you're being, you're influencing people and you're listening influencers, but like also like people are listening to you. Right. So if you're sitting here and you're someone that like at some point in your day, you know, even if it's just tiny humans, but like people are listening to you. You have an impact on people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is a little, I think it's like taking vitamins, right. We need to take right. C and D we squeeze lime onto the taco so that we can absorb the nutrients out of our beans. Right. You know what I mean? Like we do these things. We do that. Yeah. I just thought it was because it tasted good. I didn't know that. Nutrients. Yes. Right. So we can bind things because our body needs to absorb things in combination. Even like skincare, right? Like why do we do like the different drops and then the lotions and the layering? All of that. Our body. Yes. It's nutrients. It's like we're, 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 yeah. yeah. So like having a slice of an orange while you eat your cereal that's fortified with vitamins, your body's going to absorb it better because of the vitamin C in the orange. So like understanding. You just blew my mind. Yeah. I think you're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> your morning just got crazy. Nobody yeah. ever told me that before. I didn't know. Yeah. This is like the intentional. Wow. Yeah. This is the this is the social media toddler space of feeding. You know, child led weaning, feeding little people is like. Parents are really getting into this. Wow. Like very intentional eating for their tiny humans. I know, right? Raising little kids with, you know, access to way too many things is overwhelming and wonderful. Yeah. Overwhelming and wonderful. Both together at the same time. Yeah. But it's that. So like it's we can go and learn all these different things. But if we aren't doing like our own nutritional palette of like understanding who I am so that like I can know when to say something and like that discomfort and tuning into that discomfort 
then I can take the knowledge from these 12 books I read, right, mm-hmm. in t- June and of 2020. And discern what parts of it I'm going to take in. Yeah. Yeah. And then put it back out there and acknowledge right. like, oh, yes, that, right, Asian human sitting next to me is really squirmy. I don't need to check in with them. I could just like say a thing out loud and create space and they can then feel a little bit more welcome. That's right. You know, things like that. Yeah. Oh, this was, thank you for this. I am so glad that you came over today, that we're sitting here in person and having this conversation. And I, I'm grateful for this opportunity to share this conversation with our yeah. listeners. Thank you. Yeah. I am so thrilled to be sharing this podcast with all of you. And I would love to hear more of what you want to hear on future episodes of the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. I hope that you got a lot out of today's show. And I have a lot of interesting conversations coming your way in the next few months. And I'm really open to being in conversation with you. So feel welcome to shoot me a message over at podcast at connectfulness.com. And tell me what you want more of, what you want less of, what um, has been really helping you out with the show and uh, where things have been a little edgy and growthful for you. I want to hear all of it. And I'm really, really glad that you're here in this community with me. I'm thinking through some community building um, things that we can put together, some workshops, some groups, some ways that we can spend more time together. And I'd love to know if you're interested in that too. It would help me in planning. So take good care and be well. Until next time. Learn more about my counseling practice, intensives, and online workshops over at connectfulness.com. And if you haven't already, check out our sister podcast, Why Does My Partner? Why Does My Partner tackles questions from listeners who want help in relationship. These questions, your questions, send them in, are relationship gold. They echo the conversations that take place over and over again in our therapy offices and take us deep into conversations around the skills that are right at the heart of relationship intimacy, greater health, and fulfillment. Jules, Vicky, and I also offer essential skills relationship boot camps. You can learn more about those at whydoesmypartner.com. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your audio. We'd love if you follow and subscribe to the show, share it with those who may also be interested. I want to express my deepest gratitude to the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for this podcast, Sarah and Chris Ferris, who recorded and mixed this music at Kidney Stone Studio. And thank you, dear listeners. It's such a pleasure to be on this journey with you. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and it's copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. And we'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram over at Connectfulness. Take care and be well. Until next time. Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com events.